Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night. And Saif, you don't want me to play the song that I was going to play? No, not that one. You got to save that for later. All right. Welcome to the latest episode of the Juan Ep is Dead podcast with your host, Cypher Sounds, and Peter Rosenberg. Not even your host. Host makes it sound like it's someone else's show. We're no, we're just, your friends. We're just hosting. Yeah, your friends. I'll st- I'll Thank do- you for all the love on the Patreon. Thank you for all the likes, shares. I don't think you have repost, to say. Repost, all that good shit. I don't know if you have to say Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> or how about this for to start with? Once again, Kanye West. <laughs> Do you remember when you used to play that one? I love that one. I still play it. You still play it? Yeah. The live's that's a good a banger. one. That's a banger. That's what that's one of my favorite. Um, non-single Kanye West songs. D- that's one of my favorite things to make fun of DJ Cass. I call him DJ Live One. I've never known a DJ who loves the live version as much as Cass One. He loves a live version. Loves a lot. He gets them all. Like when someone's on SNL, you know you're going to hear yeah. the SNL before. He loves it. He loves a live version. I, and yeah. I really respect it because a lot of people don't pay attention to recording the live versions. Now they're so easy yeah. to get on YouTube. Right, right, right. Go get right, yourself a right. live version. Sife. How are you today? Uh, I'm pretty good, man. I've been trying to... I got vaccinated yesterday. Wait, so you're scamming the system. What do you mean scamming the system? You can't be up for a vaccination right now. What do you mean? You can't legally be up for a vaccination. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Um. Okay, here's the great thing about my current weight situation. You're still obese. I am obese, therefore qualified for vaccination. Oh, this is such good news. Congratulations. This is beautiful. All that weight I lost during pandemic, and then I gained some back, and it got me the vaccine. That is hilarious, and uh, and I believe you. Like, that's, that's yeah. how they were doing it. I'm, I'm in danger. <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> You're in danger right now. No. Yo, let me tell you something. <laughs> First, the fat boys break up. Yo, rest in peace, by the way, to Prince Marky D. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. We didn't even say that. We didn't right? even get Prince to spend time. We, sh- we should do a... Honestly, we should do a real fat boys episode one day. I was thinking about a few... It probably, the story is crazy. It's amazing. There, there are a few yeah. people I was thinking of that we've never really... Done much on. Oh, I got in touch with Kid from Kid and Play. We got to do that story. No, Kid and Play we definitely need to do. Um, um, We need Heavy D and we need Fat Boys. Those are three super underrated, you know who else? groundbreaking hip-hop And artists. the last one I'm going to throw in that category. And I never see interviews with this guy. So we have to find it make it happen. Cool Mode D. You know what's funny? I was just thinking that because when we were playing Self-Destruction a couple weeks ago and Cool Mode D's verses on there, like... I don't know anything about Kumo D. I know nothing. And, and, and it's and it's kind of crazy, too, because you get the Treacherous 3 story. So uh, me and my girl have been watching Snowfall. Have you watched Snowfall? No. I, I want to uh, get um, into it. Amazing. It's, really? it, sh- it shouldn't have been on FX. That's the problem. 
Well, it should have been on like a like a like a HBO or Netflix. It should have been on one of the ones that's considered like premium premium because it's premium premium. It's that good. Right. The acting is that John Singleton. Yeah. R.I.P. Uh-huh. It it the acting the look every the story it's all premium okay, high level ish. Yeah, I'm gonna check it out. Uh, that'll be my next. But show they watch. they get they they use um they use Treacherous Three a lot because it takes place in eighty three eighty four. And so they, they cut right. to a lot of scenes where they're, they're switching scenes and you hear Treacherous 3. And so I started thinking about Kumo right. D last night, and I'm like, man, he takes you all the way back. He covers an era that we miss a lot. He can give us the full late His, 70s, early 80s, yes. but then it continues, and he can kind of get you all the way up to like 90. Right. And Kumo D and Houdini to me are two... They're similar, like Kumo D is a solo artist, and then Houdini is like to me like the same kind of sound, but they were a group. Yep. But like, you hear how how our favorite rappers were so influenced by Kumo D and and Houdini, and it's just, I don't know. It's, it's nobody touches. I on used that. to wonder about, like, when will I be large like Houdini? Yo. Fuck. <laughs> Yo, like Fat Boy, like Disorderlies is a funny. So I had the movie. exact same conversation when he passed. I like made sure to stress that on the radio. I was like, just so you guys know, Disorderlies is good. Like it's it's a Yo, it's a it's really funny. funny movie. They were funny. And then and then they kill it in Crush Groove. You know what I mean? They were like they kill it in Crush Groove. They're like good. They actors. opened. They op- they the, the Fat Boys were big, and now. Thanks to your the work that you've put in during quarantine, uh-huh. boom, bad, bad, bad you're in it and you got the vaccine. Yo, I want to congr- I want to take got this it. time on one up to congratulate you for being obese. Thank you, thank you. Yo, I'm on a I'm a, it's, uh, this is th- this brings me joy to talk to you in the morning times when we do this podcast. But I'm in a I'm in I'm on a bender, yo. I'm in a depressed. Oh, you're going to are you going to go in right now and be honest to be real get deep here? I want I'm in a depressed but that, I'm actually coming out of it. But the amount of fast oh, food. No. I've been I've been on some self-destruction. Oh, ever since we played self-destruction or before that? And I don't know what before that. I don't know why. I don't know what's happening. I I had a therapy session. I'm trying to figure well, it out. But like I'm on some like to a day type Oh shit, shit. Like, This is Hold on So if you were Oh no So you know what's happening right now You're the equivalent what? of a, and, and this is I'm joking But I am serious You are like a drug yeah. addict Who had been clean And when they fall back yes. off It's when they die Cause they go They go so oh. I don't think you'll die immediately But no, It's when they were like No yeah. they were so clean For six months because oh, you're going in even that. harder. But then I'm at the same time, hard, you were just telling bro. me before we went on the air about how you're like trying to figure out um, TikTok. And to me, and, I, and listen, we're not the same, although we are, we do have similarities. I just think we had different uses of our um, the things we did to make ourselves feel better or different. But for me, there's a direct line between the amount of social media engagement I'm doing and how I feel. So I'm surprised. I, I wonder if that... What is it? Does that mean you're doing When a lot, I'm doing a lot, I'm not doing as well yeah. as a person. Yes. Per- I'm not present. Right. Wait, and you're doing a no, lot of social I mean, media now? Literally this week, I had like one day where I got into a classic me 
wade in on a topic for no reason. Like I need to use social media. I don't know how you feel. And, and I, don't get me wrong. I think you're affected by social media different than me in a different way. I think that we are probably both affected by it. I don't think that yours is the exact same as mine. Like I have two or three ways that social media negatively affects me. One, and this, I love this terminology, comparing your inside to other people's outside. That's what social media is because you're seeing a made up farce version of what everyone else is doing, but I naturally am psychologically comparing it to really me. And it's not fair because you're not you're not comparing your inside to right. someone else's inside, which would be stupid in the first place, but it's not even that. You're comparing it to the fake version they're putting up on the internet. I have Right. Yes. Yes. I I I'll scroll and once I start getting like this little anxious anger feeling, I immediately get off Instagram. The question would be is is it that point too late? Like cuz you may have you might have already started late, to spiral. Yes. But like DJ Camillo, like DJ Camillo, like Go ahead. I Yeah. I hate him. Right, cuz he has a I great social media him, brand bro. and it's Happy, his, working, no, 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 no. hardy. He's working out. He's what? Yo, five months, five months in the gym, getting my summer body ready, and then you see his, I mean, gorgeous wife. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying like he's married to a a triple supermodel, gorgeous human being. He's got great kids. He's in his basement with his dope record collection and his ring light, killing it. And on the anytime radio he goes on IG on Live, streams. there's a thousand people there. Everything he does, I mean, <laughs> and then and then. And then. And then now he's like, like going to the cities that are open and oh, back yeah, DJing in clubs. Like I think he's in Florida right now. Just, and I look at him. I'm like, and he's a, he's a great one for you to compare yourself to because people literally confused you. Like you guys were like, hey, Camillo. I mean, Cipher Sounds. I remember when me and Camillo were on the exact same level. I remember when I was at Hot 97 before him. <laughs> wait, so wait, so you mean you have the full memory the of this? Hot 97, I felt like I'm taking my hand <laughs> and having it pass the other. You watched it. You you were looking over your shoulder like, Whew, this Colombian kid from Queens, he's pretty good. I better keep running." And Yo. then y'all ran next to each other. Yo. You ran next to each other for a and long it, time, <laughs> and you were friends. And you're friends. You love the guy, Camillo. Long time. We're doing real good, right? Hey, you Camillo! Camillo! <laughs> Camillo! <laughs> Yo, and then I remember, I remember when he got the job at Hot 97 And I was like, a real, this is a real one uh, And like, Camillo's so such a real And when it comes to hip hop got the job. Camillo's you know the, I mean? the, he's us He is, I don't know if Camillo's ever listened to Juan Epp But like he should, he is Juan Epp Like he's the real deal Yo He is Juan Epp Yo, he used to DJ for the Beat Nuts He used to DJ for the Beat Nuts And then um, I remember one time Early, his early career, I, he he invited me to this party in Queens, and it was I think I, I'm not <laughs> wait, wait. Place what was it called? Ah, uh, okay. I couldn't. I, I didn't understand at first. I thought you said Casablanca. <laughs> okay, all right. No, 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 Casablanca. <laughs> and I walked into this club, and he was tearing down mm. Onyx, uh, throw your guns. 
And it was like, I, yo, you know when you have a couple of those vivid memories of, of moments in your life? For, for, they're not big moments in my life, but I just remember it so clearly that I walked in and he was cutting up, throw your that's, guns, I don't think and that's, the okay. place was going bedonkers. And I was like, this guy is fucking... Well, Camillo's that good. He can play anything, like, and it works uh, everywhere. It's a great setup to get Camillo, Camillo on the show, though. I don't know but, why this is a Camillo episode now. I'm going to tell you my problem with Camillo. And I told him this. Oh, n- let's not forget. Let's not forget the guy is doing it parties. You know, he's doing nine Wait, wait, wait. When the world's open, he's doing seven more days than... in a week. You guys are clear on that, right? For yeah, for sometimes 10, 11 parties. No, that's there'd be a party. He'll be for like, for those of you I'm guys who don't live here or see his flyers or follow him, <laughs> there are weeks when Camillo does fourteen parties, and and yeah. he's not kidding. My two Tuesday night yeah, schedule, and crazy. you look at it, it has three clubs. And by the way, Camillo yeah. th- uh, throws people clubs. a bone. I'm it's sure nuts. every once in a while, but for the most part. People know what they're paying to get Camillo to walk in the room for 45 minutes. Oh, and let me tell you something. The, the guy is worth every penny. He tears it down. And he has, I know girls. I know girls. This is from my, you know, I'm not in hip hop anymore. I've moved on. I know girls that will only go but if Camillo's, to Camillo parties. Like they're not party girls. You know what I mean? They're like, they have jobs, they have kids. But then they'll be I'm, like, I'm oh, calling Camillo's him right at now, just for this second. club in Jersey. I want to see, because me going. calling him on a random Sunday, he should think someone's dead. He should he should be... Oh, straight to what? Oh, oh, my God, Camillo. <laughs> Thanks, Camillo. So, wait, you were saying, though. So, I know girls, they'll just go to Camillo parties, you know? And and he has that following. But wait, what, what was I saying? Because I talk about how I hate him so much. Oh, my problem with Camillo is um, he should be a worldwide superstar DJ. You know what I mean? Like a... Like a no. Like so, yes, and 100% level. for a million reasons he should be. However, here's the thing. I like that he's a real, like, yes, he is the international club kingpin. Don't get it twisted. He does gigs everywhere. But he is sort of the definition of a real local New York star, and I respect that. He is, like, he's the definition of very famous in New York. DJs know Camillo, but in terms of regular people, he's a star here. You're right, though, because when when you think about how good he is, he's good looking, he's got a beautiful, charming family. Like, he could do it all. I want to circle back after our interview and talk about the internet, and then I have two stories from the week that I need to tell you. Okay. That I need your feedback. Right, I'm ready. I need your input on what actually happened, and I need your review of how I handled the situation. Love it, love it. All right, so let's um, let's bring on our guy right now. All the way from all the way live from two one five. Okay. Oh shit! You know. Hold on, wait for it. Wait for it. It's probably still counting bags. 
You thought I would play some oh. underground battle Cassidy shit here? No. We're going for the club oh. shit off top. Hey, why not? Cassidy the Hustler. Cassidy, what up, son? For sounds, Rosenberg. What's up with y'all, man? Good morning. Yo, just hey, hearing your just hearing your voice reminds me of shit I forgot from me and Sife's old era on the radio. Of that, like we had you on the radio with us a few times. I like I kind of forgot until I just heard your voice. I'm like, oh yeah, Cassidy. We did do that. Yeah, we got history, man. You know, I got a lot of years in. <laughs> so we could, you and know, now, we could. And now go you're down doing. Memory lane. And now you're doing uh, fashion shoots for the. Tiger Woods. <laughs> no, no, he's going to play tennis at Wimbledon. He's got a match at Wimbledon today. <laughs> this is a very clean. Yeah. This is a very clean look you got there, Cassidy. Yeah, you know, I just, you know, this I'm is, feeling good today, man. It's a nice day outside, man. Are you in? Are you in Philadelphia? Not right now. I'm in Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. Yes, where all rappers go. For sure. For sure. Mount- Black Holly. Black Hollywood right now. Yo, the now, amount man. of rappers that I see when I go to Atlanta is crazy. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's where the energy at, man. That's where you need to come to get a vibe. I was in Atlanta uh, doing shows with Dave Chappelle. I was hanging out with Two Chains, Ti, Killer Mike, uh, uh, Westside Gun and Benny, Diamond D. Yep. Fuck yeah! I was well, like, and by the way, everyone down here, yo. I know there's a deep. History. Oh, by the way, Cassidy, our annoying producer, who you, we would love if you punch him in the face when you meet him, is asking if you could turn your phone uh, horizontally. Um, we all should pay. We should all pay homage. And I know there's a deeper history, oh, yeah, obviously, with you. black people moving to Atlanta. Yeah. But as far as hip hop goes, we need to take a moment and salute Fife Dog and Eric Sermon. Uh-huh. Were they the first who, ones? The New York to Atlanta hip-hop thing right right right. that goes back i think fife moved down there before midnight marauders right i think it was low-end theory he moved down there shout out to shout out to so Eric it, Sun, there's a man that's my bro man told me a lot do you ever see do you ever see eric sermon in atlanta um actually i ain't seen him out here in atlanta yet i've seen him a lot up top though he used to have a rim spot i know in atlanta that was a thing right Sife? yeah that was a thing um, Cassidy has a new project, The Wise Man. Okay. Uh, he's back at it again. I actually, I actually, I got three of them. I just dropped three projects in the last five months. So wait, th- trying to make history. This is on a them. series. Yeah, that was the third one. It was, the first one was the science. I dropped that in October of last year, December of last year. I dropped another project called The Formula. And then I just recently dropped the wise man. Saif, I just re- I just realized this moment something fascinating about Cassidy. What's that? He has done every version, not every, but th- so many versions of hip hop successfully. He's done battling like true battle rap successfully. Yep. yep. He's done the underground Philly street shit successfully. Yep. He went on a yep. straight up commercial girls in videos, big budget record industry when CDs were being sold successfully. Correct. And and now he's doing the digital streaming with his own fan base. Yeah, independent in, successfully. Independent. You've done you've seen every yeah. version of this hip hop shit. How is this version working out for you? How do you like the the streaming version of this? Um it's pros and cons, ups and downs. The good thing about streaming is being able to get your music out to your fan base 
um, instantaneously. Like back in the day, you used to have to require large budgets to be able to get to your fans in other places where you wasn't at. Right. So if I had a fan base in Africa, how was I able to get my albums over to Africa? If I never even been to some of these places with people like me in Africa, how would you get a record in a record store in Africa? Right. It would just require relationships. It will require um, distribution, shipping, yeah. traveling. Yeah, it just re- it, it requires a lot. So for an independent artist to be able to get all of them type of relationships, it would take so long. Yeah. That's why you got to partner up with these machines and stuff like that in order to be able to be effective globally. Right. But now with this technology, you can just upload it to one of these platforms and the whole world can get it at the same time. No matter if you're in Australia, Africa, Asia, North America, South America, everybody can hear it all at the same time. So that's the benefit of it. Um, and it makes it a lot easier to do and it's um, cost efficient. Mm-hmm. Like back in the day, it used to be expensive to go in the studio and put projects together. Now everybody got a studio practically in a house where you could pretty much make music and to get it out, it don't high cost millions too. of dollars. Yeah, high quality. Like back in the day when I got in the business, everybody was talking about going gold or platinum. Everybody was just screaming that out their mouth when actual physical records were selling. But people ain't realize if you wanted to go gold or to go platinum, you would have to have 500,000 CDs printed up to go gold. Yeah. You would have to have a million CDs actually made if you wanted to sell a million CDs to go platinum. Yeah, that's true. So to get CDs printed up, if they was two, three dollars a CD and you needed a million of them, that's two, three million dollars that you need aside of recording, aside of marketing and promotion, aside of your advances and right. all of your promotional tour and all of that. I'm talking about aside of all of that, you still need to physically three million press dollars yep. ahead of time that's crazy. to invest into an artist. But they don't be considering those type of numbers. You just think you just go in the studio, make music and you just eat. Like, you know what I'm saying? But now that technology improved, you can so record better add, and you but, can get your ahead. music out. So that's the advantage. But with that advantage is a disadvantage because now you got billions of more rappers. Back in the day, people didn't want to take that risk because it was so expensive and it was so hard to do that everybody wasn't willing to there take is no that risk. risk. But now with the technology and how easy it is and then with the business putting out these artists that don't seem that developed, everybody feel like they could do it now. Yeah. So now it's a lot more competition. So you definitely got to be about so yeah, the, the point of entry is a thing I'm very interested in because the point of entry to be in hip hop is completely different. Anyone can get in. So you're right. The floodgates are open. You had to be committed just to getting studio time, sure. just to even like we were talking about Biggie last week, Biggie being able to get with 50 grand to record the demos required him at least knowing someone who had a setup just to get that bullshit sounding demo. Yo, and, and, and it sounded like shit, but just to get to that, you had to know someone. Yeah, some kind of some kind of little four track recorder, you know what I mean? Just to get the little demo that the source heard to put him in the, the unsigned hype. Like it was a mission to find someone who had a little basement four track machine and a microphone and a, and a turntable set up. So, but here's my question. I, if I, I'm I, to be honest with you on the on the on Hot 97 all the time we talk about like uh oh you know today Drake broke the record he broke the Beatles record for this and this one broke and I'm not asking you to agree with me you can feel however you feel I don't take the records of today seriously 
in the same way. Like when you tell me that Drake had 10 singles sell a gazillion copies each and he surpassed the Beatles, I'm like, but hold on. When the Beatles sold their singles, cats were going to the store and buying each record individually. So if they had seven singles on an album, those 45s are in the world right now. There's millions of them. They yeah. all got pressed. And so while I'm still impressed with people who do numbers, Cass, do you have a, a, any feeling that you're like, yo, it's cool that y'all have done that, but no, like, what, like for example, which al what was the most you sold with one of your albums? Um, the, my first album, Split Personality, sold the most um, whole album. And what did it sell? How many did it sell? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure now, but I know it was gold when I first dropped it. So by now, so hundreds, you know, all of these years is probably did something different. But so more than five hundred thousand copies of the CD were purchased. Physical yes. copies. So does it ever make you feel like, yo, it's cool that you were able to get a gazillion streams? But do you have a different level of respect for the cats who were able to move physical product on a on a on a high level? Um, I think uh, a lot of the artists is confused either way. Like a lot of artists is not um understanding how they streaming and doing good now. And a lot of artists wasn't really understanding how they were selling records back in the day. It was the people that was behind them in the machine and they was just mm -hmm. making music. So a lot of artists ain't really understand how the business was going regardless if it was now Fair point. or back in the day. You know what I'm saying? And it's a different strategy. Like some of these artists that might be streaming a lot now might not be making the type of quality music that we was used to when physical records were selling, but that's because they don't got the team. They don't go through artist development and they don't put as much energy into like one single and one project like they used to back in the day. Now with this technology, it's about consistency. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's quantity, not quality no more. Back in the day, it used to be quality. You had a quality album that joint will last forever. You could keep stretching them singles and making that project work forever. You can tour and be a legend forever if you had a classic album. Now yeah. it's like they hear your album real quick. They go through it. Now they want some more. They want some more. They want the visuals. They want you to do a bunch of stuff. They want to, it's just like their attention span is shorter. So you got to be more consistent nowadays. So you can't expect the artist to be in the studio making that same type of music as they used to, if they could get to a bag a different way, especially when 99.9% .9 of the people that's in the industry only do it for a bag. They don't really care about the culture or the rules or regulations. They do it for business. So if they figured out another way to make money that's easier, why would you expect them to take the harder route? Right, right. They're not doing it for the art. And by, and by the same sure. token, what do you think of the battle rap game now, which has leagues and, and some, some real money that exists for cats who are successful? How do you view that versus the late 90s, early 2000s battle scene? You are, you are asking some good questions, Peter. Come on, Miss Cassidy. You are, you are an interviewer. I think I made that um that possible. Like all of these leagues that exist um came because of the work that I was putting in at one time. Like making battle rap popular, making um certain industry people and people that even wasn't in the streets mm -hmm. hear about battle rap. Um, with me and Freeway Battle, that was like before social media and the internet and all that, but that was like a form of going viral. Like it just yeah. swept the world. Right Everybody was talking about it. And that's what made people interested in seeing people battle like that, especially names that they know. It just made people figure out that there was money in it. 
So I knew it was going to be leagues that was going to start and people was going to start investing in battle rap. I knew that that was going to happen. And I knew that it was going to grow and get big. I just ain't know how long it was going to take. So um, battle rap is like one of my favorite parts of hip hop. I love when artists is competitive and showing that you better than the next one. When I came up, all all the rappers was talking about the day the best and these sucker MCs can't mess with me. And you was always just bigging yourself up and dissing everybody else that wasn't you. And I liked that, that energy. That's why I fell in love with hip hop. So I don't want that to die out. So that's why I still love battle rap even though I feel as though um, it's more commercialized now because there's money into it. They they on stage now, they paying these artists, so it's a business. So it is more commercial than it used to be in the 90s, but it's still um, a more purer, um, rawer form of hip hop than what you hear on the radio. Why is the transition so hard? You're one of the very few battle cats and, and uh, obviously it's different when you go back to the early 80s, but in the modern era, you're one of the few battle cats to be able to make commercially viable music. Why is that line so hard? Because we've met mad battle rappers who brought their projects up and the raps are good and it just doesn't quite connect. Have you been able to pinpoint why that is and why you were able to, to figure it out? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, it's a lot of reasons, so I'll be here all day, but I'm gonna give you a quick one. One of the reasons is um, a lot of the great battle rappers um, that's ranked high that people got on the top of their list, a lot of them do a thing that's considered to be cheating. Like when they write their bars, if you're saying it acapella on stage, um, you can fit um, a lot more words and a lot more ideas in a line which would be considered a bar but you know when music is <laughs> right. four beats so once the beat loop around the timing is gone you got to say it in mm. that amount of space for it to be a bar but when there's no music there the bar can stretch different than your air the way you hear it mm. so a lot of artists cram a lot more thoughts and words than right. you can when it's on beat so that's why they're able to get these punches and these ideas off on stage when they're using a the cheat code but when it come to timing and putting it on beat is more difficult to get them ideas across that's why they might sound dope on stage but when you hear them on record they don't register the same because they used to not write into beats they used to just writing in battle rap form so when it comes to making a song and you got to write the music and think of ideas melodies flows and other things that's mm. not required in battle rap it's kind of difficult that's why you need to practice and you need to put in work and some of them only put in work just battle rapping so it's going to be impossible for them to just take one of them battle raps to the studio, get in the booth, say it, and it'd be a hit. That's That not makes perfect sense, go. though. Yeah, that makes it's a lot bo- of sense. They do, they do. I do watch those battle raps sometimes, and I'm like, God damn, that's a lot of words in that one <laughs> that one loop, your know, one bar. Yeah, it's... <laughs> for sure. And that's the reason why they can't, a lot of battle rappers can't even ride a beat. Like, even when you do hear them make music or if you listen to any of their music, it's slightly offbeat because they so used to writing offbeat that when they try to catch it, it's slightly off. Now, do you think, like, you know I mean? and, do you think um, like that's where a producer or someone like that would come into play? Uh, it could be a producer, but uh, it could just be them just studying the craft um, and practicing so and putting both. in the work. Like, you know what I'm saying? You're going to have to put in, you're going to have to put in work with um, writing the yeah. different beats per minute and stretching your mind out to learn how to do different flows. 
Like when I first came in the game, when I was 17, I wasn't worrying about making a song. I wasn't signed. I wasn't, yeah. it wasn't social media. It wasn't like you could release your songs. So there was no reason for me to make songs. I just had bars. Anytime somebody wanted to hear something, right. I was singing the hottest shit. So that's all I was focused on. But once you got a deal, it don't matter if you can say the hottest shit. Now you got to make a hit. So now I got to transform myself. I got to reinvent myself. I got to figure out how to do this and make music. And it took me years. Some people think you could just snap your finger. That's what people want hip hop to be. They want you to just be able to write one rap and put it out and get millions. Or just go in the studio a couple times, make a couple songs, put it out and just blow. That's how people want it to be. They want it to be easy. But it's hard just like any other thing that's that people do professionally. Like the NBA players is nice on the court. But you don't you can't just snap your finger and get that nice. It takes mm-hmm. years and years of practice and training and learning the game and just working on your game to get that nice. So um I was 17 when I first got my deal, but my first album ain't come out until I was around like 21. So that's four years later, four years of just constantly grinding outside of writing just hard bars but trying to work on making music and it took time for me to develop and even after my first album i still was learning so my second album i'm still learning i'm still growing so what i could do now um i could never do when i first came in the game but um it wasn't no information or no line that somebody could tell me it just came from grinding working and learning on your own and that's why experience is important Mm. especially in um um, fields where you use your mind like you know what I'm saying now other things where you use your physical body even though experience matters that's why all the experienced people be the coaches and, and, and around the players but you need your youth you need your, 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 um, your body to be young and healthy to do these physical sports but when it's mental like hip hop and writing bars the more experience and the more knowledge you got and the more you've been through, if you stay right, on it, you'll right, be right. better than the dude that don't really got nothing to talk about. Only reason why the older dudes seem to fall off because they lose the hunger. They realize how shisty the business is. They realize how yeah. many games yeah. is being played and they get frustrated and they stop listening as much. They stop writing as much. They stop loving it as much. So that's the reason why they fall off, not because they're not capable of doing it. If they was listening to rap every day like a young boy and writing every day like a young boy, then they would be even nicer because of the experience. Well, they and got. they didn't know at the time, you know, it, we talk about this, we talked about this recently, how young some of the quote older rappers were in the late nineties who fell off. Yeah. Who right now they fell off back now they'd still be around. They'd still be in their prime, but they didn't know that there would be a future. It had it had been sort of described right. as like, yo, once you're old at all or you drop one brick album, it's over. But like that was only true in hip hop. In music in general, you can go on forever and ever and ever. And I think we're getting to a place now in hip hop where people realize, wait, you could still be nice when you get older and so hopefully hopefully to like, your point people like keep black going thought is a perfect example right black thought is gotta how I mean he gotta be like how old is black thought black thoughts pushing 50 he gotta be yeah and he's burning niggas yo he's fire because he's consistent stayed consistent at it you know what i'm just, saying never never stop working so i mean the business does the business does get the business can get to you though man it is frustrating and it, you got to deal with a lot. You got to have a, a iron, 
uh, iron um, constitution to deal with the bullshit in this in this industry. But you know what else? If you know what else, you and have you to gotta, be, and you got to be in it for culture reasons. Like if mm. you in it for just business reasons and to get money, right? It's millions of ways to get money in the world. We just not um informed on all of them. So 100%, a lot of yeah. people from the hood think they just gotta play sports, sell drugs, or rap. Like they limit it to the, the 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 to the information that they got and what they think that you can do. But once you get in the business and you start rubbing shoulders, you start seeing all of these different ways to get money. And if you do get some popularity, whether you want it or not, people gonna start offering opportunities to use your image to help they brand. Right. So you right. start seeing other ways to get money, and it might be easier ways. Ways that better your personality And that's the reason yeah. why dudes be making Different decisions other than just Writing raps and staying hungry with music Because they true. see how much you get robbed How little come out of writing music And how little come out of going so hard with this When I could put a little bit of energy Over here and make way more Yeah, And that's where most of the people heads is at And I'm not knocking it If you a businessman and that's yeah. the reason why you got in it For business then 100%. that's the best decision But yeah, if I'm you not strictly culture if you strictly coach and you got in it for those reasons, then whatever the best business move should matter to you because you in it for culture reasons. And I think that's the decision that you need to make when you first what start. I what is the reason that you doing it for? Is you doing it strictly for money or is you doing it because you love the culture and you want to follow the rules and regulations that come along with it? You know what else you have to be, Sife, if you want to make it? What's that? Yeah. So this was um, June 28th. The first platinum ringtone. First platinum ringtone? Wow. First platinum ringtone. Wow, that's hilarious. June 28th, 2005. Damn, 2005. Fuck. Can you tell us the story of that song, how it came together, and how, how much it changed your life? Um, well, my first album was called Split Personality. And the first two singles, or well, the two singles from off of that album was Hotel featuring R. Kelly and Get No Better featuring Mashonda, which was like two records for the ladies top 40 commercial type of records. And that's the type of label I was on at the time, J Records. Those is the records that they loved to push. It was easy for them to work those type of records. Yeah. But I sure came did. from the street battle rap on mixtapes, burning it down. Anytime anybody bought me up a radio station or anything, I'm going crazy with bars. But when you have my single, it don't match the energy that I was creating initially. Right. So my fan base was confused. Not the newer fans that just fell in love because I had a single and they heard me on the radio. They wasn't familiar with nothing. I'm talking about my core audience, the people that was supporting me before I got that single out. They was confused about the direction that I was going in. So I realized I needed to make a record like I'm a hustler, which could bang in the clubs, bang on the radio, but still be hood, hard, like mm -hmm. register to the energy that I was creating before I got a deal. Right. So that was my main objective. And I, it took a lot of arguing and fighting. And, um, cause once we made the record, you hear the, you hear the choruses, nigga X, nigga, nigga X about me, nigga X, nigga, nigga X about, that's already like six, seven niggas already just in the chorus. <laughs> so they like, how can we possibly get this played on the radio? 
they'll never, they'll never take this record. You don't hear it as nigga, nigga, nigga. Ass talking about hustling and selling drugs. They never gonna play this. This is not it. You know what I mean? But I'm like, nah, this is it. So it's a it's a fight, but I'm happy we got to put it out. Actually, they didn't believe in the record, so I ain't get no radio support. And I'm talking to radio guys, so y'all gonna understand this a lot. I ain't really get radio support like with the other records, so we just pushed it out to the mix show DJs. And once they got it, they just went so crazy with it, and they got such a crazy response just organically that I got the support a little behind, but it was a little late. You know what I mean? But that's when we got the video shot and we started to support the record. But it could have been even a bigger record than what it was if the people behind me believed in it from day one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're right, though. Yeah. J Records, for people who don't remember, J Records was very R&B heavy. I mean, maybe Alicia Keys is the biggest artist in the in the history of the label, and that was really their their bread and butter. It's not surprising that that's where they went. Um, did did uh, did you talk to Hove? About the same, they got a lot of successful artists like you brought up Alicia Keys, like they got some of the biggest artists ever. But when you look at the rap side, what successful rappers did they have other than me? Buster, like I was holding it down, it's not really like they had a lot of successful rappers because they wasn't, yeah, it was you and Bu you and Busta, really you and Busta were the main rap acts, and of course, they got Busta late, he'd already been established for a very long time. Did you, yeah, all the Busta success came outside of J Records. His success ain't really, he ain't really do that much with J Records. Like Busta, a legend. That was my man. He was a legend even before he got with J Records. But I'm just saying, like a lot of the work. Yeah, that they he didn't put develop Busta. Records, it wasn't no. really. I was really like the only rapper under there that really was making some noise. Did Did you uh Did you talk to Hove about the sample or ever talk about the the record with him? Uh, yeah, we had to clear the we had to clear the record. Um. Actually, me and Swiss was in the studio and we had some old acapellas, but we wasn't planning on making it a single. It was just for the mixtapes. So we was chopping up some old acapellas. Like when I originally made I'm a Hustler, I did a mixtape version. It's still out there on the streets. Sometimes even when I go to the clubs or to the radio station, some DJs will play that version instead of the real version. What's but the difference? The mixtape mix version, um, it was like two verses and each verse was like, I'm not sure, but like 50 bars, like like oh, mixtape really? style. Like oh, I was just right, blacking right, right. out, just really going in with the bars, just rapping long. Right. So it took a long time for the hook to come back around. But I released it on Mr. DJ name. Well, he a rapper, but he DJ too. His name Rampage. He down with Busta Rhymes. I just bought him up. He was in Philly going crazy with the records. So I gave him the record and he was going crazy in Philly while I was in New York with the I'm a Hustler, the mixtape version. Right. So when I went back to Philly to the club, um, this one, Island Iverson was out there. A lot of sports players, a lot of ballers was in the club. And they came on. Nigga Axe, nigga, nigga Axe. And all of them start standing up talking about nigga Axe, nigga, nigga Axe about me. They all bouncing around like it's, they going crazy over the song. <laughs> and I ain't never even hear it in the club. Like, so I was shocked that everybody knew it, that they was going crazy. And he pulling it back. And there's, there's a movie in there. So I got so excited, I ran back to New York and I'm like, yo, Swiss, I gotta make this into a real record. Like, song, like shorten yeah. the verses, make it into a real song because it's going crazy, the streets love it. And he like, yeah. And um, that's when I shortened the verses and made it into what is the single now, what's on the video, those verses. So if you know what I, those, you know what I took from that story? Wow. And, um, I, I am embarrassed to admit, I did not know Rampage was a DJ in Philly. 
You are you? For sure. Wait, which ram, rampage? The last you're, Boy Scout rampage? You're talking this, yes, sir. Oh, I it's didn't know that either. Richard Flatbush, speak up. It's one of the hardest starts to any song ever in history. Shout out the rampage. Yo, I did not know that, Sire. I didn't either. Shit is so hard. Um, wow, shouts Rampage to Rampage. Broke out my hustler. Wow. I just want everybody to know he was the first DJ Planet. He broke it in the city. He had the city going crazy with it, and um, everybody followed after that. But shout out the rampage. I, I mean, I was love. Yo, me and me and Sife, me and Sife love celebrating a DJ for breaking yeah. record. Boy, it's one of our favorite subjects. Yeah. Give a DJs their flowers for breaking records. For sure. That's that's my favorite. All right. Well, um, listen, I'm not going to talk to someone who uh, worked extensively with R. Kelly and not ask about R. Kelly because beyond everything else there is with R. Kelly, I was always fascinated by his general bizarreness as an artist. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's happening here? I'm going to ask about R. Kelly in hotels. You, so, you about to bad talk my... No, 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 no. R. Kelly? Well, Saif, I, I wouldn't go stand... Be careful about how you even stand next to that part of the conversation, <laughs> but I actually saw R. Kelly at Bonnaroo one year, and he did his medley of everything he did, and when he yeah. did Hotel, whoo, that shit was crazy. What was the um? What was the process for that record? What was R. Kelly like to work with at that time? Well, I was a super fan of R. Kelly. Like um, my older <clears throat> my older brother, he like eleven years older than me. He like was in the streets heavy. He like raised me, and um, when he was taking me around the city and we was driving around, he was like a gangster. Like, you know what I'm saying? Used to box always with strap beating niggas up, knocking niggas out cold. But he riding around playing R. Kelly loud, like system banging R. Kelly. And the girls used to be going crazy. Everybody used to be loving it. So that's the vibe I was on from a young boy. I just knew how much R. Kelly played a part in the hood, like how he was just turning heads from that. So when I got my deal, um, we was thinking about um, making a big single and featuring an R&B artist. So they was throwing a lot of names out there, like different R&B artists that was popping at the time. And all of a sudden they came up with, what you think about R. Kelly? Did you want R. Kelly on a joint? And I'm like, what? Hell yeah. Like R. Kelly. Is that even possible? R. Kelly, like with me, this, like y'all got to think, I ain't have hotel out yet. I didn't have no records out yet. I'm just a right. new kid new, that's yeah. just... You know what I'm saying? Working. So yeah, the hair yeah, a name yeah. like R. Kelly that done so all these records made history so many times about to do a record with me. I'm like, hell yeah. So they set it up and we flew out Chicago. Um, we me and Swiss, we had a, a little talk in a hotel and then we went to his studio. Um, to R. Kelly's studio. Um, it was a few people in there. We told them the idea of the song. Cause we already had the hotel idea, like the direction of the song and what we wanted it to be called and all of that. Wait, did you have your verses already? No, nah, I ain't had my verses. I just had the you just had the idea. The yeah. Okay. So, right. um, uh, before we got to the hotel beat, uh, like he was going through other beats, like a beat tape, and every beat that came on, he just started singing crazy ass choruses wow. like, right away wow. to every beat. 
Like soon as the beat yeah. drop, he starts singing the chorus like he already wrote it, but it was just off the top, every beat. I never seen nobody do that. Like I seen people do like here and there, but the every beat, he just kept coming up with new melodies that all sound like hits. So I was already yeah. impressed. And then once the hotel beat came on, he just start going crazy. Actually, when he went in the booth, he laid a lot of stuff. Like the original hotel part was just a little part that we took from what he did. We later did a wow. remix that I threw Trina on and all of the remix is like a whole different chorus, a whole different bridge. But he did that all at the beginning, like all at the same time. Oh, he so recorded. You, already, you already had that on tape. Yeah, and we still got a lot more. Like he went so crazy and did so many different bridges and choruses and directions just off wow. the idea we gave him. And I'm like, yo, this nigga's a genius. So we just took that, what he did, and took the beat and we left the studio. Well, before we left, actually Twister came through the studio. This one I got a chance to meet Twister. And me and Twister was rapping. Twister was doing his fast shit. I was spitting my shit. Then we left. I went back to the hotel and I actually wrote the my verses to hotel in the hotel with Swiss in the room. I just wrote the <laughs> verses and that's how that shit came together. But that was the first time I met R. Kelly for that you know short period of time in the studio when we recorded the song. The next time I seen him is when he showed up to the with the mask on in my video shoot. I didn't think he was gonna come to do the video, but he actually showed up. I was super excited. He had the mask on. I ain't understand why, but I ain't give a fuck. I was just happy he was there. So <laughs> that was the second time I seen him. And that was the last time I seen him. I was supposed to see him again. Really? I was supposed to see him he never again. Never performed the song. Yeah, we were supposed to do it. He used to do it at all of his shows. Like Rosenberg just said that he yeah, yeah, did I've it. I seen him yeah. do it. So he, we talked on the phone and he let me know that he be performing the song and he like yo everybody go crazy when i do the song so i want you to come out it was at madison square garden when him and jay-z was touring oh my god so uh -oh. right, yeah right, that right. was the day that i was i came out i was in madison square garden i was backstage waiting to come on stage oh, and perform wow. it with him when the whole situation wow, happened. when the shit went crazy yeah, yeah. So. That was the first. So you were waiting. Oh, you was right there back. You were waiting in the wings when the whole him, shit went down. I, I didn't see him that day. I seen some of his team right, you didn't see him and yet. some of the people right. that I was familiar with being with him. But I ain't actually see him yet when the whole situation happened. But that was the day that I was supposed to perform the song with him. Wow. That's so crazy. actually in my life, I only um, met or seen or met R. Kelly twice. The time we recorded the song and. The, at the video shoot. Video. Well, you know what? All things considered, Cass, I think that worked out well for you. For sure. It's a, it's a classic, man. It's, it's never going to get forgot about. And um, I don't know about all the personal issues and situations that he's dealing with. Like, I don't know him personally, and I ain't, I'm not an investigator. Like, I ain't do no investigation or nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know nothing about that. But like I said, I always respected his music. And it's a classic, and I'm happy I was able to get it done. How did the uh, how did the Swizz relationship start? And like, it, this was was this a straight management deal? T tell us that the Swizz story. Um, when I was 17 years old, I signed to Rough Riders because I had the city on fire. I was on his radio show in a city called The Cipher. It was the Radio One station in in Philly. So I was um, it was like a a battle competition that they used to have on the radio um, five days a week. And 
I was the champion. So people would have to call up and try to battle me every night. And I was winning for so long that um, I got super famous in the city. They actually retired me and made me a radio personality to judge other people's battles because I was winning so much. But that's how I started right. getting backstage passes, started getting relationships and people started to know about me from the radio show. But back then this was before social media, so they only knew my voice. They didn't know what I looked like or, you know what I'm saying? So that's when I started running around the city battling a lot to let people know that I'm this person from the radio. So once I started doing that, I had the city on fire. Swiss father, TD, mm -hmm. Terrence Dean, he came to the city. Like they used to live in Philly, so they'd be passing through. He came through the city to get it cut. And um, they told him I was the hottest dude in the city. So they called me to the barbershop to rap for him. I rapped for him, went crazy for like 45 minutes, made an impression. He took my information down. But I ain't think it was nothing because he wasn't like DMX or Jada Kiss or somebody that I knew from Rough Riders. He just said he was Rough Riders, but I ain't know him. So I ain't I ain't think it was nothing. But a couple days later in school, I got a page from my mom. Mm -hmm. This one Beepers was out. This how long ago you know it was. Beepers was out. So my <laughs> mom beat me while I'm in school. And that's rare. She would never do that. Like if I'm in school, unless it's an emergency. So I called her back and she said that that. TD, Swiss father called and said that he want me to come out in New York and have a meeting with Rough Riders. So that's how it went down. Wow. I came out in New York. Um, I met Wah. D and Wah is this, his brother's TD. Brothers is the CEOs of Rough Riders. So D and Wah yeah. is the CEO. So I met with Wah. D was out of town at the time, but I met with Wah, made an impression on him. Then D came a few days later, made an impression on them. And that's how I got down with Rough Riders. Not too long after that, they signed us. Um, I brought two dudes from Philly with me, Shiz Lansky and Kyle Akbar. So we was in a three-man group, Larceny family, <laughs> under Rough Riders. Oh, yeah, I remember that um, shit. Rough Riders, Ride or Die Volume 2, we on that, and Ride or Die Volume 3, we on that too. That's when they started to push us and, like, you know, work our material. But it was so much competition and so much going on over there that – we wasn't getting enough attention. So that's why I started battling more to let people know, like, I deserve a position. And once I started doing that, I built the relationship with Swiss. He was like the biggest producer over at Rough Riders at the time doing his thing. So he wanted to start his own production company, but he needed an artist. So he like, yo, the perfect artist would be you, solo, by yourself, not in the group. I just want you. So that's how me and Swiss started working. That's how I got out the contract with Rough Riders because I was in the contract with them. Just a production company contract. But that's how I got out that contract with them and got in a new contract with Swiss. And then I got an artist deal with G Records and released all the music that y'all know. So the production company was full surface with Swiss and the deal was with Sony BMG, J Records. Damn, I didn't know you signed the Rough Riders. Yeah, I was signed the Rough Riders actually for like three, four years. I signed when I was 17. I was underage. Wow. My mom had to come sign a contract with me. That's how I know the age because I, <laughs> I was underage and um, I couldn't sign for myself. So um, I signed when I was 17 and I signed the new contract with Swiss when I was like 20 or something like that. 
And I released the project with J Records after we started working when I was like 21. Wow. So Swizz's dad's the main connect to Philly because Philly ends up giving both you and Eve. Uh, and Eve, of course, goes on to play a major role in, in Rough Riders history. It's a big... Yeah, but Eve was at with Dre first. Oh, Eve was Dre, then Rough Riders. Yeah, so I think that was like an Interscope switcheroonie. And, and Eve was um way before me. Like when TD came to the city to meet she me, was out Eve here. was already on. Yeah. yeah, she was already like doing stuff, had singles out and um already like, well, I don't know if she had singles out, but she definitely had. Yeah, she was on, she was on Rough Riders, Rough Riders with yeah, X. Yeah. yeah, she was doing like a lot of stuff. And um, when I got down with Rough Riders, I remember I was in the, um, like, I got a girl that I'm yeah. gonna love forever. Like I was in that video and, and the um, I don't even mm-hmm. know you, but I hate you. Like I was at that video too. So I know when she was first putting out her work, I was there, wow. but she was already there before me. Um, but Rough Riders is um, not just TD, but a lot of them got ties in Philly. Like, you know, they used to stay in Philly. They used to live out there. So a lot of them got ties in Philly and be passing through the city here and there. Yeah. So um, I just happened to catch them. What do you do? You still live in Philly or? Nah, not right now. I don't live in Philly. Not in what? Nah. What do you think of the scene? What do you think of the scene or the game in Philly right now? Because it's. Philly has always been a place where the talent has been immaculate, but they just don't seem to to get it. And for lack of a better term, they don't seem to get it right. Well, commercially, yeah, they they, they, they fight. See, I know a lot of Philly people. I got a lot of Philly connections, and it's like they they fight themselves on success. Yeah, I think um, it's a rough city, man. Yeah, it is. It is a rough city. Um, it's a real competitive city, too. Like, you know what I'm saying? I think that's the reason why people be fighting a lot. It's like the crab in the bucket mentality over there. You know what I'm saying? And um, they say it's the city of brotherly love, but I don't know why. It's not really like that. No. Like, no, my, my, my boy said it's the city of brotherly shove. Yeah. Yeah. That's- <laughs> yeah, I did a record called The City of Brotherly Slugs where I put a lot of like, you know what I'm saying, a lot of Philly artists on there before. But it's a but crazy it's a crazy city, but it's super talent there too. And it's crazy everywhere. I guess it just depends on what the attention is on. Like what the media focus on and bring to your attention like cuz it's negativity everywhere, people dying everywhere, people getting shot everywhere, rappers is beefing everywhere. It's just all about like you know what they put their attention on yes that happens everywhere i'm not talking about the media and i'm not talking about the fucking the the hood part of it. i'm talking like in the rap game like it seems like and and i'm an outsider speaking on it so i might not know even know what i'm talking about but it seems like there'll be so much talent and a lot of dudes get on you know there's you there was freeway beans there was uh pd meek Eve, um philly's most wanted yep. Uh, the root, oh, the yeah. roots is a little different. They they did it a different way. Um, Roscoe P. Um, there's uh, endless people that could fucking spit crazy. And then when it comes time to make some commercial records, it's like they get this feeling like they're gonna sell out, and they want to keep it so real. They don't want to sell out. You know what I mean? It's like well, you even see even right now, like one of the, with Meek, Meek's 
still seems to always have people coming at him and he still engages yeah. in it. It seems like it's very hard. Like, yeah, to Sife's point, no one wants to lose that credibility. I mean, in I Philly, remember when Meek was like. the hottest shit in the world at that one, you know, at one point in time when Meek had, you know, the, the record that, um, hold up, wait a minute. Dreams. Y'all about, you know, I mean, the, the hottest. Dreams and shit. nightmares, yep. And I was in Philly doing a comedy show. And, oh, it was like a talent show, but I was like the comedian host. And I was like, yo, I said, yo, Meek's on fire. Y'all, y'all, y'all repping Meek? Nah, fuck Meek. We don't fuck with Meek. Meek whack. I was like, Meek's whack? He's whack? <laughs> I don't know if that's the right term. I mean, like most of them names that you name from Philly, like I did songs with all of them dudes. Like, you know what I mean? I don't work with all of them dudes. So it's a lot of love in the city too. Like, um, I crossed over from my first single. Like, Hotel was a crossover record. Telling over a hundred million audience a day, like it was like super big, like it crossed over just not just urban radio, like it was all over the place, and that was my first yeah. single. So um, then you got people like Jill Scott that super crossover music. You got uh, Will Smith. It's like people that do yeah. like you know what I'm saying. You got Lil Uzi right now. He putting out shit in his crossing. So you got people, yeah, he's everywhere. Yep. You got people that do it big it's just like i guess what you want to put the focus on at the time you know what i'm saying um there's negativity and it's positivity yin and yang one couldn't exist without the other so it's just all about what you want to focus on uh, yeah i think i think also dc because being from dc i saw something similar on a smaller level because we never had at the time although dc's talent game right now is crazy but at the time back in the day dc didn't have the talent philly had but I think all the cities that live in the shadow of New York, there is a pressure of that, Sife, because like New York, it felt like there wasn't a, it wasn't limited. You there at there were times where there were fifty popping artists all from New York because the labels are here, yeah. everything's here. Yeah. The media. Is I think here. I yeah. think when you're in one of the cities that is a big city but is slightly in the shadow of New York, yeah, there's just going to naturally be a competition to get there that's even more fierce because it's a little bit more distanced, the idea of getting there. Yeah. In New York, if you're from the hood in New York, everyone knows someone who knows someone who made it. There's so yeah. many cats who got on. I just think it was harder in other cities. There weren't as many opportunities. Um, but Philly's yeah, one but of the most decorated of, ever. You gotta think, even to this day, is um, New York rap is beefing. Like, that's where it started at, in New York, and it's still to this day. It's worse new. It's like, worse now than ever. New, it's worse now than ever. New generation, like young boys that's beefing right now like you know what i'm saying so no it's worse it's now about what you want to put their attention on do you want to focus on the new young boys that's beefing and make it seem like new york beefing all with each other or would you want to look at that's true uh what case Slade just did rolling 50 deep and there's like you know what i'm saying a bunch of new york dudes all on the same track repping like do you want to focus on that or like it no, just that's a good depends point. on what you want to put your attention yeah. on at the time that's an yeah no i agree i moved around i lived in new york Lived in Philly, lived in Jersey. Now I live in Atlanta. It's like the center of attention with hip hop right now. Wow, artists out here. And it's just all about what you want to put your attention on, man. There's always going to be negativity and positivity. And especially when it's a business, it's like the entertainers and the creators don't control the business. So when you make it like that, it's going to always be chaos. When you look back, um, and by the way, Cassidy's uh, project. He's dropped three projects over the last uh, five months. Go stream them right now and support Cassidy if you want those bars. Um, before we let you go, you were in the when you were 
just completely a commercial crossover star and you were at the all-star weekend and performing and at all these huge events is there one particular event weekend time that you look back at as shit was like the absolute craziest that you have memories of we're just like every time your record came on you were in settings with you know fucking Allen Iverson and LeBron James and everyone in the world sort of do you have one particular moment that kind of sums it all up of how crazy shit got? That moment ain't come yet. I'm still grinding. I'm still working. <laughs> April 3rd, though, in Atlanta, I got a big battle coming up. RBE, okay. Rare Breed Entertainment, ARP, is me versus Hitman Holla. Mm. He a big-time battle rapper, and he doing other things like, you know, wilding out. Got other things going on. Yeah, I know him from Wild yeah, and Out. So yeah. he like one of the more popular, bigger battle rappers, and we got an event coming up April third. It's gonna be crazy. Um, I'm in the best shape of my life. This been all a setup. Like even the battles I've been in previous to this, um, it's been all a setup for what's about to happen April third. So I need everybody to tune in that's watching. It's gonna be super crazy. I'm excited, and I can't wait. All right, bet. So not only so go stream the uh, the Cassidy projects, but also uh, make sure you tune in on April third. Yo, Cass, thanks for hanging out with us for a little while, man. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate y'all. Salute y'all. Keep doing y'all thing, man. Bars is back. I'm here. Salute. Bars is back. Cassidy, thank yeah. you, bro. Appreciate it, man. Bars is back. Yo, Cassidy. Thanks, thanks for having bro. me, man. No, April third is called Max Out, man. Me versus Hitman Holla. And them three albums is on all platforms. Everybody stream it. Thanks for having me, y'all. All right, man. Peace, Cassidy. Easy. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. Cassidy the Hustler. Very safe. Very, very interesting uh, career for Cassidy. The trajectory. Like I said, I didn't realize until we were talking to him, like, how interesting it is that he did all those things. Yeah, and I didn't know the rough. I didn't. It's so weird that, like, I remember when Cassidy first came out. I remember... You know, there's that crazy story of the that Rockefeller freestyle on Funkmaster Flex, where all the Philly dudes, um, where 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 Jay introduced Beans and um and all those other Philly cats. And there's a story where they came on Hot 97, they burned it down freestyling, and then they went to the studio and Swiss brought Cassidy, because he was like, "Oh, y'all got you got Philly dudes rapping." And Swiss brought Cassidy in, and him and Freeway battled. And it pulled, apparently, like the 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 Rockefeller dudes just had one of the greatest nights of their lives, where they just killed it on Hot ninety seven. And then Swiss brought some guy, and they fucking battled him in the studio. And that's the first time I heard of Cassidy because it was like, yo, after they left here, they went to the studio, and Swiss brought his new artist. But I didn't know Swiss already; he was already signed to to Rough Riders. You know what I mean, like. I didn't. I thought he just found him recently and was was using him to you know uh, to, as as his new label was starting. Well, listen, it's hard to remember. Like these stories are from years ago. Wait, how long? Years ago. Yeah, these stories are from years ago. So, um, I I said that before. I wanted to tell you a couple stories before we okay before we put a bow on this thing. Okay. All right, kick it, kick it. All right, I'll tell you the. I'll go in order. Thursday night. Um, I I'm, I'm, I go for a walk. I'm talking to a friend on the phone on AirPods, walking the dog. Uh-huh. On the Upper West Side, walking down a side street, about to cross over West End back to my, where I live. So, you know, Scythe, the Upper West Side, pretty chill at night. I go out at night a lot. Not a, When you get to West End and Riverside, it's like you're in the suburbs. Yeah. 
I'm crossing over West End Avenue, and I see, as I'm getting closer to the street, I thought I saw a guy standing next to like something on the ground. And as I get closer to about to cross the street, I'm like, that's not a thing on the ground. That's a woman on her knees, looking like she's like praying on the street, right? And then the guy's like leaning over her. And I'm like, oh, it could be like someone sick and drunk, you know, but whatever it is, it's something, okay? And um, and by the way, before anyone jumps yeah. in with the obligatory thoughts that you have about the story, from where I am, I have no racial identity. In fact, I actually still don't know the racial identity of the people that I saw. I don't know. What does what what does race have to do? With I, I just I know just I'm I'm too haunted by the internet about saying any words out loud about anything. So you're crossing over the street, and as I get closer, I'm like, no, this is definitely a lady whose face is she's on her knees and her face is like inches from the ground and there's a dude standing over her talking now as i'm crossing the street i scythe i see a tripod so my brain trying its best to come up with things and i'm not that bright i'm like oh they're shooting right. something there's like a they're shooting right. something for instagram right. or it's a, a an indie film yeah, yeah, yeah. I, which in retrospect it's like what it was 11 at night there's not there's only two people. Yeah. There's no There's lights. No lights. <laughs> but it, it gets worse than that, Sife, because as I walk past them, making sure me and Bear have a little distance, I, there's no camera on the tripod. So that's a problem. Okay. And, but yeah. the guy's not yelling. Something, yeah. No one's yelling, but he's talking to her and she's on her knees and it, she's not getting up. So I do what I do in after knowing Cypher Sounds for now almost 15 years, I mind my fucking business dot com slash you're near your home. Just keep going home. So I walk. So, so I walk down towards my entrance and I turn around and stop for a minute to watch. Cause now I've got like 80 yards. If this dude were to go crazy and start chasing me, he couldn't even get to me. I'd be in my building. I'm good. I'm good. But I don't right. go inside yeah. because I am having a moral. No one else. You see no one else on the street. See, that's where we're getting to, Sife, because you know what I'm going to do, because I've learned, Sife, and this is why I told you the story, because I, I thought you'd be proud. <laughs> Just because you're minding your business.com does not mean you're going to do nothing. It means right. you're going to wait and see if there's community support. Like, are other people around and you can go, I wanted yeah. to hit someone with a, yo, you see this shit over here? Yeah. What's. Yo, do you does this look weird? Then we <laughs> then we as a community can make a decision on what's next. But I'm not doing it myself with a man and a woman cuz that could go so many ways. So as I'm standing there keeping my eye on it and talking to my friend and kind of telling him what I'm seeing, I see a a, a guy come over and he he pulls a very Peter Rosenberg 2007 move of he uh-huh. stops right next to them and I'm watching and he goes in his pocket and I'm like, what's he doing? He's got his golden retriever and he's right next to them. And I'm like, why is he stopping next to them? This looks like a terrible. Yeah, he didn't get the Cypher Sound training. This guy did not get the Cypher Sound training. <laughs> and then I figure out what must be happening is he's pulling out his phone. And then the next thing I see is the dude grab the tripod and sprint across the street. Wow. So, so Saif, my assumption is the guy who did not get the Saif sounds training 
walked right up to them, yeah. said, what's going on here? Uh-huh. I'm calling the police. Yeah. So yeah, at that yeah, point, yeah, yeah. I go, okay, that good. Someone who does not follow mindyourbusiness.com took the gamble, called the police, and now I, I don't need to do anything. <laughs> I'm going to go home now. But number one, what do you think of what happened there, and did I handle it perfectly? Um... Well, okay, you don't we still don't know what was happening. No, I've made up in my head now that I think they were both probably just high 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 on something. Did I don't know what, what happened. Did you did the girl leave after that or No, it looked like the guy ran off, but the girl was still sitting there on her knees effed up. But I'm not saying that I think she was beaten up. They might have just both did been they look, high. Did they look homeless? So I, look- I I took a picture from a distance. And when I zoomed in on the picture after, I realized the dude was wearing a very, like, crappy wife beater. You know, so if you want to completely judge someone, wife beater, mad tats, outfit looked like shit. Uh, yeah, he looked like he might have been. It looked like he might have fallen on hard times. Yes, I would I would say that. That's a, that's a weird one. Because um, also, if they were just high... I don't necessarily want to be the person who's calling the police on them to get them thrown. Like, he might have not been being abusive at all. He might have been like, baby, get up. You're high. We need to go somewhere. And he's like, I don't know how to get her up. Like, it might have not been. But, but she also might have been in bad shape and need an ambulance. Yeah. I, there's too many variables. Without without seeing. I'm going to send you the picture, Saif. Without seeing, like, without without seeing a an actual strike. You know, him hitting her, you know what I mean? Oh, de- nothing close to a strike. Nothing close. Nothing close to a strike. Oh, then then you did the right thing. You're sure? I would have, I would have, I would have got the, I would have maybe got the doorman to call the cops. So that was going to be my next move, but then I saw this guy yeah. clearly called the cops, because when he ran. But that guy, the tripod is a weird, the tripod so, Saif, is a weird part Saif, of it. and I know everyone's going to ask us for this picture. I just texted you and Billy June. The picture. It has the white guy who who did not take the cypher sounds. Well, I think everyone's white, but it took the the white guy who was doing the very white thing of I'm calling the police, sir. You could see him on phone, the golden retriever, and then the the shady dude. Wait, what race are these people? I think everyone's white. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you want. What is the race Um, here? What about the dog? The dog is blonde. The dog is so white, a white person. The dog is the whitest dog that's ever lived. Um, yeah, I think you did the right thing. I think you did the right thing. Uh, if that guy didn't show up, I would say get the doorman to call the cops because then that's what doorman is supposed to do. You're out of it. Your name's not in the mix. That's right. Hey, yo, there's some ish going on out here. Yeah, you don't have to go to court. None of that shit. Um, that's the key. I'm just wondering if that guy with the golden retriever might have heard something more that you didn't hear. He might have heard something. Well, he might have said, hey, are you guys okay? And then the dude starts barking and being crazy, and he's like, I'm calling the police. But also, that guy with the golden retriever, I I mean, that shit could have turned where he ends up with a knife in his That's And I'm as much as I care about the well-being of that lady, I'm not getting bear punted by a psychopath. How about this? How about this? How about the fucking woman knife? That, by the way, that could happen too. That could absolutely. I'm not happen. doing it. So it was. 
I, I, it's rough. It's, it's a rough one. Yeah, I, I would, yeah, I would definitely. Yeah, if you live in a doorman building, like, hey, there's some weird shit going on over here. Maybe we should call so, somebody. So, story number two is, is shorter. Went to Jersey yesterday. Um, I've been getting, uh, I'm having a little, don't even ask, a weird little kick of, of, of getting into baseball cards. I went to a couple card shops in Jersey. I stopped at a gas station. I go into the gas station to get a couple of waters. As I'm getting the waters, I see there's a food counter. When I walk in, someone's like, hey, hey, what's up, man? I'm like, oh, hi. As I'm about to leave, a large gentleman with an accent that I would attribute to being a Jersey Italian guy says, yo, try some of our pizza. You want pizza? It's a, it's 11.30 in the morning, 12 o'clock. I was like, no, no, I'm good. He's like, no, no, on the house. On the house. So On the house. On the house. Get it. And I look, I, I look at the pizza, and it's, I love a, a good grandma, you know, square yeah. pizza. I'm a yeah. fan. So I'm like. My girl will be excited for a random slice of pizza. Sure, let's let's. She's going with you to to get the baseball card. Yes, she's in the car okay. with the dogs. We're okay, little trip. Uh-huh. So, the dude gives me a slice of pizza, and he's got a couple other dudes there making food. They're like, yeah, we just started selling the pizza today. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I'm like, uh, the guy's like, yeah, yeah, give it a try, you know, see what so you think. So far, this sounds great. So, yeah. I want to know what the story is. She goes, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, you know, and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm trying to, like, ask while I'm waiting. I'm like, so you guys just opened this place? And he's like, well, we've been here, but we're starting the pizza thing. And he goes, yo, well, where do you live? You live around here? What town you live in? I'm like, no, no, I, I live in New York on the Upper West Side. He goes, okay, in your neighborhood, you got any, like, uh, vacancies up there? Like, for, for businesses? <laughs> I was like... I, probably. I mean, it's post-pandemic. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are some <laughs> storefronts open. Yeah, He's like, yeah, I mean, listen, you ever want to, you know, get a place? You know, you know, hey, give him my number. Give this guy my number. And the guy's like, you want me to give Wait, him the... Do they know who you no, are? No, no idea who I am. No idea that when they asked us to, that when he asked me for free pizza to just show him love, that me and my girl have a combined, like... <laughs> 800,000 followers that I'm like, you chose great people to give free food to. So I I wanted to reward them for the good choice they just made. So he tells the guys, like, yo, give him my phone number. And the guy's like, oh, you want me to give him the blah, blah, blah number? And he's like, yeah, give him that number. So the guy gives me the number, folds it up, gives me the pizza. And he's like, yeah, if you see any, like, uh, storefronts open, you're interested in opening a pizza place, you know, something like that. I'm like, so do you do pizza? And he talks, he's talking about the guy next to him who cooked it, the quiet gentleman who was cooking the pizza. And he's like, him and his brother, him and his brother, they got places. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm, now I'm, I'm doing this. And I was like, okay. So am I wrong for assuming that this guy's cleaning money through pizza restaurants and wants to know if maybe he could open another one to clean some more money? Is that the correct assessment i wasn't even i wasn't even thinking that far that makes I was perfect like, sense you like, just met me and you maybe want to go into business on a pizza place in manhattan what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> I no thought, i thought he recognized no, you none of it was about me off. they had and you'll be again be very proud to know i didn't tell him who i was i didn't give my phone number <laughs> I just took the pizza, took his number, walked no, out. Thank God. 
Yeah, and we're gonna and, and and this is why I was waiting to the end of the show. I'm opening a pizza place. <laughs> the, another thing, another thing, Camillo has killed. Yes, he has like three pizza places. By the way, full circle. <laughs> no, I gave I gave Camillo the guy's number, and they're gonna open a pizza place together. <laughs> Blend slices on the Upper West Side. No, Camillo's. Camillo's pizza places are just called Slice. Yeah, bl- blends his restaurants. But that, slice but is the pizza because it's in Long Island City. The L I C is capital and Slice. Is that what it is? <laughs> God, he's great. It's actually it's good pizza. People too. love pizza. people love some Slice. So, um, oh my God, <laughs> I I, knew, I thought you would enjoy both those stories. I'm glad that they paid off. Okay, I got two little. Oh, you do? Okay, here we go. One last night. I know we got to go. Welcome to Wanda. Thank you. Yeah, and by the way, I, I want to just end the show. We end the show. So thank you to everyone who's blown up the Patreons. Please keep going. If you're someone now, who, again, week by week, you're waiting. Are they consistent? Well, another week has passed. Join us. Shout out to everyone who supported my 24-7 championship shirt, including Cypher Sounds. I got a buy from Luis Diaz. You love it. What a supportive, amazing friend. Oh, did it say Luis Diaz when I bought yeah. the shirt? And I have your P.O. box. I, I, Yo, that's a weird thing about selling shirts. I got a shirt right oh, here. Oh, very famous in New York. Very famous in New York. Uh, very famous NY.com. It's weird that people, I I get the emails and I have everyone's address yeah. now. You could send them mailers. It's fucking you weird. could send them mailers if you wanted to. All right, so so thank it's you to everyone. Weird. Please keep supporting, rating, commenting, sharing the podcast. We really do need that. It affects the pod, and we appreciate you. So that's all out of the way. Now let's wrap this thing up with whatever story Syph needs to tell okay. me. So last night. I did a show in Connecticut. Okay. And it was horrible. Okay. So last night, so um we did a show, it was empty. There was a, a, a of there was a couple of six black people about one girl selling her birthday, celebrating her birthday. She was 39. So everybody was like 39, 40, and then there was some other comics on the other side of the room and then like one other table. And no, it was dead. It was dead in there. But that was the early show. They're like, hey, sometimes the early show's dead. So we ended up just kind of talking to these black people. like, And they're like from Bridgeport. And I was making all my Bridgeport jokes. And we were fucking with them. And um, they were cool, though. But we're like, oh, that show sucked. Then they're like, oh, the next show has more people. It had like three more people. Same table where the black people were. The show before is like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Like nine Nine white, like some are Jewish, some are Italian, but that New York, Long Island, Italian looking, you know, like 30, 27 to 30 year old type. <clears throat> and then it was like another couple and another four people on the other side and a couple of the comics. It was dead. This the girl, there was this girl, the, the host goes up and he's like, hey, what's everybody? What's up, everybody? And this girl's like, what's up? And everything anyone said, okay. she, she was one of those. Say something, and there was no. And it's like in the comedy cellar, you get one, maybe two of those, and then you have a talking to, and then after that you're ejected. No one said anything to them. On and on and on and on. So then when you're doing stand-up and someone keeps talking, you try to address it, but you try to tell them to be quiet. But then it just kept going on. Every comedian was dealing with this. Me and my friend go up. And it's just, now they're drunk, now they're loud. I get into it with one of the guys. And uh, the I, uh, I feel so horrible about it, but the Bronx 
came out of me, the Bronx. Oh, well, and you've been dealing with stuff. You've been sort of, you know, so, depressed. You're recently obese. So he goes, yeah, so he goes, so I don't care what you're saying, blah, blah, blah. And and I was like, yo, we're trying to do this, whatever, whatever. And he goes, well, say something. You're not, you guys ain't funny. You guys ain't funny. And I fucking, yo, bro, I lost it. I was like, we are fucking funny. We do this every night and get a lot of people to laugh. You're fucking ruining the show. You fucking ruined the show. How about that? How about that? And normally, normally, we would get you kicked out, but you're the only people in here, so you're the show. So, you know, if you leave, there is no show. So we're trying to, as comics, we're trying to get stage time. You're fucking ruining it. He goes, oh, you, you guys are not funny. I said, you want to turn this into something else? And me and Will are on the stage at the same time. Because we, we do like this two-man thing, my boy Will Sylvans. Yep. And we're like, you want to turn this into something else? We could turn this into something else real fast. And he goes, oh, yeah. I go, let's go fuck it. Let's go outside. Let's go outside. Wait, you said let's go outside? Let's go outside. Scythe. Okay. Let's go outside. And I'm like, I'm going to bring this mic with me. I'm going to fucking bop you in the head. <laughs> so you're still going for a laugh somewhat. No, at that point, no, and then Ed, like, bro, it got so quiet. Yo. And then what happened? How did it end? And then he pa- he paused, and then he's like, "Oh, I'm really scared." I go, "You should be scared. You should be scared. Let's go outside, or shut the fuck up." And then the girls are like, "No, stop. You're cute. We want to. You're sexy. We want to hang out with you. Can I come up there?" And yeah, they had this fucking. They had like. PVC piping with like this plastic curtain over it was like the COVID shield but it only went up to our chest so like <laughs> the COVID is still going over the shield I don't know I don't know why. it's flying over the shield so the girl gets up and starts walking towards us and I grab she comes she tries, she tries to come up on the stage and I take the COVID shield and I move it in front of her <laughs> good move uh, Did it get laughs at least? Not really. There was nobody there. Nobody. The comics were laughing, and then um, so then the, the 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 guy who's running the show goes over to her and starts saying something. He's like, "Hey, can you go sit down?" And then I guess I don't know if it's her boyfriend, but one of the guys comes over and he he kind of like suns the host. I'm um, not the host, the, the promoter. He's like, "Yo, I got this. I got this," and he and he's like basically tells him like, "Don't talk to her. Don't touch her. Whatever." And then he like walks her back to the table. And now I'm like, yo, bro, I'm fuming. Like, I'm just like, uh, I'm fuming because I... So this show is completely gone. This is not even, like, now we're in just full sort of debacle yeah, there's mode. No, there's no show. Like, we're just trying. So then now I'm like... You're just fighting I'm with like people. enraged. Just- but now also, I don't like when I get that angry. You know what I mean? So, like, now I'm in, uh, embarrassed of myself. You know what I mean? Like, internally. I'm like, oh, I, I, let, I let this guy get control. You know what? I don't like, I don't ever like, you know... That I only I only try to be like that in life or death situations. So then it get, so then it goes a couple more minutes and he's like, he goes, I'm sorry, man. Wait, what? The guy goes, I'm sorry, man. And I was like, uh, he, all right, I'm sorry too, bro. I didn't mean to fucking. Wait, you guys both openly apologized at the show. Everyone's apologize. But he apologized out of nowhere. He goes, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Wait, wait, wait! You're back on stage now. What? Are, what we were what's, always on stage. We were on so, stage the so whole time. are you trying at this point to even do anything? Like, what's happening for the two minutes before he says, "Hey, I'm sorry." No, like, yeah, yeah, we were trying to do jokes. We kept trying, and he and, like, and he kind of interrupts and is like, "Hey, by the way, I'm sorry. Hey, I'm sorry." Yeah, but there was, but we were saying something else to the girls, like, 
Got it. It was mostly talking to them. Right, because it's only people there. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> so then, uh, so then, so whatever, the show's over. We're like, you guys ruined the show, whatever. So we go sit down. They all leave. And then the last guy, the same guy that came over and got the girl, he's the last one walking out. And the host of the show goes, hey, you with the brown jacket, tell all your friends to go fuck themselves. And I was like, okay, well, they're leaving. You just, I don't know why. It, <laughs> so the guy comes back, and the guy comes to the host, and he's like, "Hey, man, we're we're leaving, man. And like, we, you know, we we understand it was a weird night, but like, you're taking it too far right now." And I was like, "I agree with that guy." <laughs> so you've now switched sides. You, you unnecessarily you brought it back. Called out one of them while they're leaving. That, no, no, that's. Unless you are trying to hurt someone or yourself, there's no need to say the word when someone's leaving. Unless you want something bad yeah. to happen. Yeah, they're leaving. And I was like, and then I was like, fuck, do I gotta like I thought we were out of it. And now do I have to help this guy? Like And but it ended? <laughs> and the guy was Yeah, the guy but the guy was kind of big. And then I think the owner was up there and the owner because I think they had called the owner up because these people were so bad. And then the owner kind of just like, you know, Shuffled them out But it was a fucking night And then okay And then the other night I was standing in front of the comedy cellar And then after this And then after this You go home and look at Camillo's Yeah yeah You go home afterwards And look at Camillo's Instagram And you're like What am I doing Oh the doing? girl that walked up to the what stage the She was hot too She was hot I was like Oh man this could go another way Oh really Give me a little side piece Um, I'm standing <laughs> in front of the comedy cellar and Two black guys walk by They're probably like I don't know 35 or something and he's like, yo, Ebro, Ebro, what's up? And I go, no, so I just correct him right away. No. It's just the best way. I go, no, Cypher. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Cypher, Cypher. And then he comes back. Yo, my bad, my bad. He goes to give me a pound. I'm like, it's COVID, bro. We don't, we're don't, we not doing this anymore. And um, yo, my bad. He goes, yo, I fucks with you, son. I fucks with you. I'm like, you fuck with Ebro or Cypher? <laughs> no, nah, you son, Cypher. I fucks with you. He goes, you know why? <laughs> This is what I was trying to look up. I know I wrote it down, but I can't find it. He goes, <laughs> you, you, you. I know where this is going. Bigger than he goes, you're bigger than you should be, but still you cool with us. <laughs> you're bigger than you should be. You're bigger than you should be, but you still cool with regular people. And I was like, uh, are you saying that right? <laughs> yeah, I don't even understand. So is he saying you're bigger than you should be? Yeah. I don't, I think he was jumbled. He was all jumbled up. But even just the way he said it, and the, my boy that I was with just starts dying laughing because he's like a new intern, so he's never seen this part of like the the radio fans that say wild shit. You know what I mean? I have a question for you. It, I don't get happy when people call me Ebro on the street. Yeah, I can't imagine given your. Um, how things played out at Hot that it makes you particularly happy. It, do it doesn't make me happy at but all. Does it, but does it? It doesn't bother me. you though. It, Rosenberg. Why does that? Me. That's the one that shouldn't bother you. That makes sense because because I understand the confusion with me, Ebro, enough. Okay. Envy, okay. Camillo. We're all like light skin. Latino looking or black and white. Right. Mix. Okay. You know what I mean? All of us. So when people call me Envy or Enough, I get it. When they say Rosenberg, I'm like, what looks Jewish about me? Well, your hair, at all? your hair at top, your hair, you kind of have a Jew fro at times. You got the curls. 
You could you could look like a Rosenthal brother if you let it grow out. You could be Josh Rosenthal. That one I don't get. Oh, you know what's so crazy? We got to go. One up is over. One up is dead. In the bathroom of that comedy club last night. The whole the, it's like a, it's like a, it was like one of those Irish pub kind of bars. And there's pictures all over the entire club of like just like New York okay. restaurants and bars. In the bathroom, when I walk into the bathroom, right in front of my face is a picture of Dennehy's, the Irish pub that was up the block from Hot 97, where yeah. Ebro took you and me yeah. to tell us yes. he was putting us together and giving us a show and basically where we, yeah, basically the birth of Juan Epp. But it was they, definitely no, the it birth was of Siphon Sounds of Rosenberg. Great, great burgers there, by the way. And I look, I took a picture of it. I'll send it to you. It's that a is picture so of weird. fucking Dennehy's. Because uh, that, yeah, you know, no, that's not even there that, anymore. It makes sense. Delicious burger. It's not there anymore. Delicious on an English burger. Muffin. On yeah, a, on I fucked English with that muffin. burger. That's a great call. Oh. Fucked with that burger. Yo, that's crazy. Hey, um. Fucked with that. Goodbye. We'll see and you guys next note, week. Thank you for everything. Billy June, you suck. And um, we appreciate all of you. Peace and blessings. One love.